Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Chad Norman, Internet Marketing Manager here at BlackBot and your host for this nonprofit technology podcast. This is episode 24 for March 24th, 2009. It has been almost a week since Target Analytics released its 2008 donor-centrics internet giving benchmarking analysis report, and the media and blogosphere are still abuzz, debating about the future of online fundraising. The study took a look at data from 24 of the nation's largest nonprofits, representing more than 9.5 million donors and nearly 750 million in revenue. Primarily designed as a benchmarking service for nonprofits, DonorCentrics also provides key trend information about online giving in the context of overall fundraising programs. And that's kind of why we're here today, to talk about online giving. So the panel I brought together today is really exciting. I have some new podcasters on the line. Coming to us today for the first time, we have Roger Craver, the founder of Donor Trends, a nonprofit research firm, and also the founder of Carver Matthews Smith and Company. You can find his blog at theagitator.net. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Really glad to have you today. Glad um, to be here. Yeah. Also joining us is Hildy Gottlieb, the president of the Community Driven Institute and author of the Pollyanna Principles. Welcome to the show, Hildy. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time and joining us. Uh, you can find her blog at hildygottlieb.com and uh, her Twitter handle is twitter.com slash hildygottlieb. Also on the show for the first time is Rob Harris, the vice president of Target Analytics and co-author of the um, report we're going to discuss. Welcome to the show, Rob. Uh, thank you, Chad. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. All right. And now through the Blackboard folks, we have Steve McLaughlin, old-time friend. Hey, Welcome Chad. Show. <laughs> hey, Steve. Steve's the director of Internet Solutions here at Blackboard. And um, his cohort, Allison Van Deese, the Internet uh, Marketer for the um, Internet Solutions Division. Welcome back to the show. Yes, thank you very much. Although, Internet Marketer, not in your vein. I noticed we have a lot of overlap there for very different Yes, that's uh, true. Roles, that's but, true. Uh, Yes, product marketer for internet stuff. Yeah, there you go. Glad to have you back on the show. It's been a while. I, I love having you on. Thank you. It's you know busy, busy out there. Yeah, so marketing. It's wonderful to have the opportunity to be back. Yes. All right, and my uh, regular cohort here on the show, Melanie Mathis, PR manager here. Thank you. Yeah, you can find her blog at uh, blackbot.com slash blackbotnews and twitter.com slash Mel Mathis. All right, let's get into it. Rob, I was hoping that you could just give us a real quick sort of elevator pitch, high-level view of the report and what it covered. Um, sure. Uh, the, the report uh, covers findings for 24 uh, large direct marketing organizations that participated in our uh, donor-centric benchmarking service that was really focused on Internet giving. After we've worked with these two groups for, for several years, we've written up a, a public study of the findings which summarize really how internet giving is going in the context of the larger direct marketing programs at these organizations. So there's a, um, very nice, the, uh, the study was, was picked up by the, by the New York Times, which we're very happy about, and there's a, there's a report behind that, which um, we're going to be referencing today. And really, there's a lot of conclusions, again, about online giving and really online giving in the larger context of, of the rest of direct marketing. So there's a lot of... Um, Conclusions about how, how important online givers are. Um, it's, a, it's a growing source of revenue with these organizations, albeit still uh, dwarfed quite a bit by direct marketing. They're, they're desirable donors. They're younger. They have higher income. And the really nice thing is they give much larger gifts than, than traditional, uh, primarily direct mail donors. Th- there were some other interesting things we uncovered as well, just in terms of how loyal they are to these organizations, what their, um, in terms of long-term value or donor retention. There's some evidence for online donors not retaining as well to organizations. Uh, and we could really see that when we honed in on specific um, 
acquisition giving levels of these online donors. And then one of the other things that's probably gotten a lot of buzz is the fact that a lot of these online donors, when they come onto organizations, migrate over to more traditional techniques of giving like direct mail, although we didn't really see the converse where direct mail givers uh, go online. So lot, lots of things along that vein. We saw some downgrading when these online givers move over to direct mail. So so a lot to talk about today. Right. Good. Well, I, I kind of wanted to get into that debate, and you talked about it uh, quickly um, that the New York Times picked it off, which uh, you know spawned a lot of uh, chatter in the blogosphere. And sort of this was around the, one of the key findings which was online donors have consistently renewed at rates slightly lower than traditional donors. They often migrate to other channels. So I kind of wanted to just throw that out to the panel, just kind of get what everybody's thoughts were on uh, why aren't donors returning online. This is uh, Roger Craver. I think the reason they, they don't return online is that they get a fuller experience in terms of information and uh, the relationship building process through the other channels. That's not to say they wouldn't return online. It's just that the... In my uh, in my judgment and the the research we've done uh, indicates that this is uh, the the online environment is a, a mile wide and an inch deep and uh, where where things work best with online is when it's uh, of course integrated. Now, what what struck me uh, in the target report is that uh, these are these are big and sophisticated organizations that are part of this benchmarking process, and if they're not doing it any better. Things being done. That's a that's a real problem for the for the smaller organization. And it's not not to say that this uh, that we throw up our hands on online giving. Heavens no, because it's a it's a huge and growing uh, thing. But it uh, I think Rob in his report with his co-authors makes clear that there's uh, there's there's something not not occurring here in terms of the uh, of the integration. And in this morning's agitator, we reported on this report last last week, but. In this morning's, we have a, a piece uh, headed uh, "Too Important for Techies," and uh, our our belief is that uh, the 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 siloing nature of most of these nonprofits uh, is such that uh, they still don't integrate the planning and budgeting and other processes uh, properly. Direct mail still gets the uh, the lion's share of attention and skill and experience. And uh, the the online uh, world uh, kind of uh, shifts uh, for itself. Yeah, the the um the comment this morning about that the direct mail channel, and this is Allison, definitely got me thinking more. And and something occurred to me later today, which is not just that uh, obviously they've had years and years to perfect this direct mail craft, and so of course it's going to likely do better or be more polished than what they've had an opportunity to do with online so far. But also, um, maybe the bar is set so high because they do such a tremendous job with direct mail. And I, uh, someone out there in the in the blogosphere called for doing a similar study with very small organizations or, or newer, less resource organizations. Right. And I wonder, just by necessity, are they maybe doing better with their online giving than they are with direct mail because they didn't have a good direct mail program. So it's a good, that's all. a good point. Uh, it, they, may, uh, they may well, because if they don't have a direct mail program that's sophisticated, they may be relying on their online efforts uh, even more. You're right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, and this is Hildy speaking, I think that one of the things that you're going to find, and, and the question that always comes to my mind is what led to the gift in the first place, what led to the online gift in the first place. And uh, not knowing that for the larger organizations, I know that in the case of smaller organizations, it's almost that, that whole thing that I've been blogging a lot about lately, which is that that sort of uh, 
everybody saying, get on the social media bandwagon and, <laughs> you know, you can, you can save a child just a dollar a day and everybody's tweeting to give a dollar to this and a dollar to that. And, and those are the kinds of things that, um, contrary to what, what you were potentially surmising, Allison, I think that maybe smaller organizations, if that's what's leading to the gift, are going to be less renewable than even the larger organizations. Yeah, I think uh, that that's right, Hildy. Because the what, what what I think everyone, not everyone, but but many people overlook when for for some reason people tend to check their brains and their experience when the word online comes uh, into view. Almost Just as so though, exciting. <laughs> it's almost as though if it glows in the dark and makes noise, that it's yep. Uh, it's yep. somehow impervious to uh, uh, human principles. But the the fundamental principle, of course, of fundraising. Is uh, is that of relationship building yeah. over a period of uh, time, and and this is where I think we have the by far the greatest weaknesses, and part of it is technological, not not Blackboard uh, or nor not the other technology companies, but the uh, the 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 poor state of uh, of data and the integration of data between uh, various shoeboxes, electronic or physical. Is is a is a very real problem in terms of building relationships and understanding what has to be done. So it may be, for example, that the small organizations that use uh, your e-tapestry uh, uh, may be doing it better because they have only one database and therefore not an integration problem. I I don't know. This is a this is an extraordinarily complicated area. I've been doing uh, fundraising and online uh, fundraising for forty five years and online fundraising for twelve years and. Uh, it it is not something that uh, that lends itself to uh, to easy understanding, and it's not something that has been very well disciplined by the by the trade. Partly because of the siloing, where the the historic webmasters have been uh, stayed away from by the fundraisers, and vice versa. And until that uh, that siloing comes uh, more to an end, I think we're gonna we're gonna continue to have these questions. I think yeah, it, I, there's definitely a, a change management piece to all this. I think we oftentimes see with, with customers that they think of online as a program and they don't think of online as being a channel, a channel like direct mail or print right. or communications. Right. They think of it as, well, a major donor goes online and gives $25,000. That's different. No, that's just the channel that they chose to use right. for whatever reason. It, it is it's not connected to the program. And so I think nonprofits are confused by that. But human beings are multi-channel by nature. And the more channels you add, the more complex this gets, right? We've gone from basic cable fundraising to satellite dish fundraising where it could be Twitter. It could be Facebook. It could be a direct mail piece. And I think what the the for-profit world has learned is that multi-channel works, right? When Apple uses email and TV ads and radio and social networking, they're driving it towards people to buy iPods and you know laptops, and it works because they get those channels to work together. I think nonprofits are still struggling with the, the notion of multi-channel is good, but how do I get multi-channel to, to work together? Right, and that's a good point. So, so what are some of the ways that nonprofits can do to improve their channel integration? What sort of strategies can be used to tie that direct mail fundraiser that's sitting in a different office to the you know techie guy that's sending out the emails one of the things they can sure do is uh 
is pay attention to uh, gathering their their data. I mean, you can you can bet Apple is not uh, ignoring the data that comes off SMS campaigns or off television campaigns or or print ad campaigns. They're they're putting it all together through the through whatever uh, customer management systems uh, they uh, they use. And that uh, the, the the problem is, I think, uh, in my experience, most organizations uh, just they they they, they lose track of their online donors and uh, and activists and don't properly cultivate them and that's that's one of the reasons the retention rates are uh, are lower and lord knows the retention rates are bad enough across all the channels mm-hmm. but uh, they're they're lower here i think because these folks aren't being paid enough attention to where they are put into the direct mail stream they they retain better because at least the direct mail stream has a regular process of detailed uh, 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 communication and relationship building, and uh, if it's only sporadic that an online activist or an online donor is is contacted, then uh, then we're going to have that problem because we know that loyalty, however you define it, retention is uh, is often a function of the number of times an organization goes to a uh, a donor either for money or or by cultivating them, and generally the more frequently the uh, contact more frequent the contact, the higher the uh, the retention rate. And I, I think a lot of this in the online area has to do with uh, with simply not uh, uh, bonding these people uh, quickly and thoroughly enough. Well, it's interesting with, think- the, with these organizations, um, you know, that everybody is go. once people are making the gifts, they are going into the direct mail stream. And there's sort of the part of the issue of why so you know direct mail is is so sophisticated people know what they're doing with that channel as, as has been mentioned here and um everybody's nobody's gonna is is keeping their online donors i think out of the direct mail stream because they're they're scared to i mean this has come up in some of our benchmarking meetings and so they put them in the direct uh the direct mail channel and and people are giving that way you know the other issue that's been touched on is we do an exercise, uh, we've done it for a few years at our benchmarking meetings, where people just draw their organizational structure of where are the direct marketers, where are the Internet folks, and there's an, you know, every organization, it's different. There's no best practice. They're siloed, as Roger was had mentioned. Um, so there isn't that sort of personalized communication plan or that single plan of, you know, email communications, direct mail communications that's going out uh, together in sort of in a cohesive way. But, the re- you know, the reason they're, they're migrating to direct mail in large part is you know, they were put in that stream. It's a very effective stream, and, and, um, and that's what's happening. I think yeah, what? one, of the, one of the things that we're seeing and, and seeing more of in, in fundraising overall, there is a tendency, and then once you get online, there is a massive tendency to let tools lead strategy. Mm-hmm. And and so what what I think in in many cases I mean, you, you see it all the time you walk into an organization and and they're not looking at an overall uh, resource development strategy and an engagement strategy they're looking at this latest widget that the organization down the road tried said it was so good their board member said oh you've got to do this and and I think that's what you're seeing way more of online and I think that um, I, I loved Roger your your blog post this morning talking about who is leading this is it you know it, 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 the techies techies have a tendency to be in love with tools and sure. so as as we get online the more we're focusing on one small thing saying whether you know and again you know should we have a facebook campaign should we have a twitter campaign should we have a whatever campaign 
versus how does that fit into that overall integrated strategy, which I think all flows from the data that you're talking about, Roger. No, exactly, and the uh, well, you know, this is a uh, because uh, we're we're all sitting uh, under the uh, blackboard tent for this uh, for this teleconference. Uh, I don't I want. Let that uh, back, Roger. I, it, it won't. <laughs> it, it, it won't. It's a, there's a there's a real uh, inherent dilemma here in that the in in the online space, the technology companies have have by and large large played the leadership role, partly because of uh, sales needs, but also because they have to demonstrate, uh, in order to get sales, applications. And so often the applications are mistaken through no fault of the technology companies for the strategies. And I think Hildy's point is uh, is exactly right. I, I did want to call attention in, in the interest of of integration. I, I must be the only human being in the Western or probably in the world that reads Rob Harris's reports regularly and thinks about them uh, in in detail. And one of the one of the things uh, that that Rob and his colleagues at Target Analytics have been been raising in these index reports is the diminution, the the, the decline of the numbers of active donors in the American. Uh, uh, database that they benchmark over the last several years. These are these are direct mail, uh, largely direct mail donors, and and yet in this in this report, Rob notes that uh, online activity is increasingly important for acquisition, and I don't I, I I think that we we really need to pay careful attention to that. That if this if this technology or this channel is a an acquisition channel then making it a loyalty channel or incorporating it with the other channels to make sure these people who are brought in online stay online and offline becomes even more important because the 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 craft is having a deuce of a time finding uh new donors and so whether we get them from uh, from Facebook or we get them from other social uh, network avenues or we get them uh, off the search engines doesn't matter nearly as much as what we do with them uh, when we when we get them and so I uh, this this study gave gave me a thought uh, or, or a new appreciation for the acquisition part of this which we don't normally think of very much and yeah. uh, so uh, thanks for pointing that out Rob yeah that that's a good point Roger I mean it's clearly it, acquisition that's just so important to these organizations where they have such trouble um, with direct mail at times and um, it, it's just making a big difference. The other thing also to point out, very positive part of the study that that hasn't hasn't gotten as much airplay is just that the larger average gifts of online donors pretty much trumps everything. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, in in um, because they because they start out at higher at higher levels, the overall retention rates aren't all that different, although online is lower, where it's really apparent is if you look at a $50 online giver versus a $50 direct mail giver. But but even that aside, the, the gifts are so large that even if, you, even if they're not, not as loyal, their lifetime value is still quite high. Now, that said, it just points to what the opportunity is if you actually could keep them online, uh, could keep them being loyal to the organization through your integrated marketing. No, exactly. You have the opportunity to do online immediately, and this is this is Hildy. Uh, what what you have the immediate opportunity to do online is to engage folks immediately. So they make the gift, and you have you have the opportunity 
Um, I, I, I talk a lot in my own practice about we're very used to the concept of uh, you need to do friend raising before you can do fundraising. Mm-hmm. My focus has always been how do we then turn those donors into real engaged friends for the organization and, and not friend as a euphemism for donor, but friend as in, in my real life, my friends will do anything for me. Mm-hmm. And so if we're, if we're thinking about this in terms of our organizations, we're thinking that they can become volunteers, they can become advocates, they can become your, your, your mouthpiece out into the world. And, and what social media allows you to do is to do that seamlessly. So one of the, as, as just an example of what we're doing at the Community Driven Institute is we have, uh, we dove in to Facebook, creating a Facebook group entirely around engagement and discussion of the issues that we're concerned about at the Institute, which is how do we create visionary change in communities? Well, what you have the opportunity to do immediately, which you don't actually in, in direct mail, so it's, it's a very huge plus for, for, for online and, and for Roger's question of, okay, what do we do with them next? You really have the opportunity to then take that donor who feels good about having uh, clicked on the button and, in essence, electronically written their check, to then engage them in discussion about what really matters to them and why they care about the impact of what is going on in the organization. So you really have the opportunity to turn those donors into friends in that real sense of friend a lot more readily and deeply online if that opportunity is seized. You're, right, you're absolutely right, Hildy. Uh, as a matter of fact, in our 2008 donor trends uh, study of American donors, it, it is very clear that uh, the people who come in on the uh, online channel are willing to be missionaries uh, mm-hmm. to a uh, to a 25 to 30 percent higher uh, percentage than people uh, who come in through other channels. And in every donor base, uh, there's about 15 percent of the people who consider themselves missionaries, meaning they're willing to go out, mm-hmm. talk to their friends, and bring them in. And uh, on the online folks, it's uh, it's greater than that. And of course, the social networking tools provide that. I'm afraid uh, that your good advice about uh, being being able to bond them quickly and get them involved quickly as an important thing uh, goes goes pretty much uh, unheeded because of the joyous device known as an automatic responder, which I think uh, mm-hmm. most organizations feel is their quick way of getting back and thanking someone, which is ludicrous. But uh, well, you, you can use it though. You can use sure, that auto sure. responder to engage. You know, you can give them five things they can do from there. Five discussion places. You know, whatever. There's good auto responders and bad. Exactly. Yeah, if they're useful. Like, they're good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think that all ties back to what Hildy was saying about tendency to let the tools lead the strategy and it's so simple because it's free to not invest further and not invest your time or maybe for a a great writer or you know strategic help to think through how you would want to manage the follow-up exactly yeah so they lump it all in together as a super simple quick off-the-cuff channel well, yeah, it's also that's... being sold as that. It's being sold in many cases, and I'm not suggesting by by large organizations like Blackbot, but by the millions of you know make money quick on the internet kinds of guys <laughs> that are out there selling. You know, you nonprofit can make money fast, and it won't cost you anything. And so they're seeing it. They're not being sold on the bigger picture of what. And as I asked before, what is leading to that gift? What's the strategy? 
That's right. I think one one of the things organizations don't do enough of is is really follow the dollar and see what the value of these uh, folks, whether they're online or offline, really is. I mean, Target over the years has made the point in their uh, in their reports that the uh, the size of the initial gift uh, may be may well be the largest uh, most important factor in right. predicting lifetime value of uh, of a donor. Well, if that's the case. Uh, as you begin getting above average gifts in the online channel, an organization should also be making uh, above average uh, investments in cultivating and retaining that donor because that's the only way to assure the increased lifetime value. One thing the report um, points out that also probably hasn't gotten enough discussion is that, you know, is the 50. Do we expect the $50 internet give, first-time internet giver to have the same affinity to the organization as the $50 direct mail giver? Because you know, a direct mail gift to acquisition direct mail package of $50 is pretty high, but and, and that's also going to be an older donor. The donor who's giving, you know, is probably a young donor. $50 might be, you know, that that's nothing to them. I mean, sure, I'll give you 50 bucks, but do I care about you that much? Yeah, you know, you know, maybe not. So, so when we when we write about this in the report, I mean, we allude to it the fact that well. You know, some of it could be technique in that in that we're not doing as good a job with the fifty dollar internet donor, but some of it could be who that donor is, and that you're you're never going to get the kind of loyalty or retention for that person as you would for a fifty dollar direct mail donor. That's true. They're not. They're they're certainly unlike the World War II generation and even the uh, leading edge of the baby boom generation. All of our studies, at least, show they're not uh, inherently uh, loyal, uh, but they. They do uh, succumb to uh, to certain communication streams that, that do make them loyal. For example, if an organization can show them results it's getting as a result of their participation, if an organization can involve them, and that's Hildy's uh, suggestion that uh, you turn them into missionaries and get them uh, active as soon as possible, then their loyalty goes up pretty dramatically. And that's that's another learning lesson for the nonprofit world is that uh, we we have moved very quickly in the last five years from the tell me what to do generation to uh, uh, or show me what to do and tell me what to do to the you know show me how I can do it generation and that's a that's quite a different mindset and the problem with that mindset is largely in the brains. Uh, ossified brains of some nonprofits. <laughs> and I think that's the challenge that uh, you know nonprofits that only operate online like Kiva and Donors Choose and similar organizations where they're much more impact driven the micro lending approach which is I give and I see the direct result of that it's it's something that traditional nonprofits struggle with because they they have traditionally not been they don't have the infrastructure, the performance analysis to be in that business. It's more of the exactly. amorphous goal than exactly. the actual you give, you get results. And the new donor wants that because that's the world they yep. live in. Yeah, and isn't it, isn't it ironic that we have all these technologies, audio, vid- uh, video, the blogs, everything else, where uh, an organization, uh, no matter how old it is and how established it is, could easily do that, uh, but it doesn't. I think that's an important point. I mean, Technology isn't the limiting factor in all of this. Um, it may just be people are too preoccupied with the tool as a substitute for a strategy. And, and we always say that if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You need to figure right. out what is it you're trying to accomplish. Uh, another point, and I think you know, there's been a lot of blogging and tweeting and all this stuff about the report. It would be great if, 
if people sort of printed out a copy or looked at it on screen and went through, because there's a lot of other interesting data in there besides just the online, offline stuff. I mean, even when you look at donors by age and donors by, you know, household income, it really starts to tell this story of online is a great channel. I mean, until you get to the 65 and older demographic, the dominant channel is is online for those individuals. And well, that's... Go ahead. I'm sorry. That, that, that's actually a terrific point. I mean, you know, age and, uh, you know, age is a big issue for a lot of these well-established charities, a lot of these primarily direct mail organizations. I mean, you know, the donor file, not, not across the board, but for many of them, the donor files are quite old. Um, and mm-hmm. those, are the, those are the people who are giving. And certainly online, not only is it bringing in new donors, but it's helping bring in younger donors. And younger might, younger doesn't mean 20 to 30. Younger, younger is 45 to 55. And that's right. It better. That, yeah. You know, that's really helpful. <laughs> yeah, everybody feels good about that. Yeah, so so it so it's really you know bringing younger donors is just a terrific uh, thing thing for these organizations to be doing. Well, I think one of the things that that we encounter, and and this gets back again to that whole issue of of, of engagement, the for lack of a better term, Facebook generation. Folks that uh, have have grown up living online with others are living engaged lives, and so yeah, they they may not. The whole issue of them giving fifty dollars and then do they want to the whole the whole Kiva thing where they're seeing that impact, they are feeling engaged with what that impact is. There's ways we can do that. It's not it's it's again not the technology. It's not the fact that Kiva's got a a a, a wonderful way of immediately engaging you with the impact. You can do that with anything, and it's it's not the tool of how the channel of processing the money is, because in the end, and especially for this generation, it's not about the money. The money is a tool that organizations use to create significant change in their communities, and that's what this generation and, you know, as you're saying, younger goes up to, to thankfully, my age, Um but, but what, what you're really seeing is that desire to be engaged in making a difference. How do we do that using the online giving as a conduit to engagement rather than, and it, and it is, as you guys have been talking about, a change of mindset in the sector. We have for so many years been taught to engage so that people will give. And what we're seeing online is that the giving can very often come first. Now we have the opportunity to engage folks to create more significant change. That's, that is radical and, and the possibilities that it unfolds is, is just mind-blowing. Yeah, one, one, I mean, there is one of the, and I'm sure we all, we all know this. I mean, one of the laments we hear, which isn't directly covered in the study, but we hear certainly a lot talking to these organizations at the benchmarking meetings is how they're, they're able to get engagement, but it doesn't translate into giving, which is a, which doesn't mean that it won't eventually, obviously, but it's certainly something where they, they're generating lots and lots of warm prospects that they're not turning into, into givers to their organization, which again doesn't mean that they're not achieving their goals in terms of their mission of people are signing petitions or, um, you know, getting other people involved, but, but the, the, but, uh, but amongst younger people, they're just not getting as many givers as they would hope to for a lot of, well, one of the You're, you're one starting of the, out with some givers online. Grab yeah. them. Grab them and now. One of the one of the reasons for that, Rob, is that they the many of these organizations won't uh, won't in, invest in bringing the other channels into bear uh, quickly enough. I mean, for for example, one of the most powerful channels is uh, is the telephone. Yet few organizations get on the horn 
with an with an online activist who has just signed a petition and asked them, for example, to uh, to help extend the campaign by becoming a monthly donor or by buying some more uh, AdWords or something else. They they, they they just don't move quickly on these people, which is ironic because this is a this is the one channel where you can uh, you can you can get data instantly and do something about it instantly. And, and the iPhone world changes that as well because yeah. it's the device yeah. that I talk on and get my email from and go on the web from, and with you know everyone's copying that. That that's kind of the wave of the future. I mean, we've seen in the event-based fundraising business, kind of walkathon, marathon, bullathon, there have been organizations been very successful with a follow-up phone banking campaign for people who go on and create donor pages and meet get their first you know hundred dollars given or first thousand dollars given when they follow up with phone calls they the percentage of those people who meet or exceed their goals trumps everybody else and when we've told this to to customers they think it's you know some trick with smoke and mirrors but all it is is just mixing channels and and just if if think like a donor if someone called you and said hey what can we do you know how is how how is the fundraising going for the the walkathon event going and you know are you able to have you thought about who you would email to ask to give and those types of things that would give immediate results yeah and steve that's uh, that was steve right yep uh one of the problems as you know steve because you're out there with it is that uh, let's say 50 percent of all fundraisers can read but of the 50 percent who can read almost none understand numbers and and so they uh <laughs> <laughs> they 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 don't. Uh, these they, are they, estimates, right? Yeah, I, yeah I don't <laughs> know. These, are, these are not uh, these are not Rob Harris style figures. Uh, no, the point the point being, if you look at a walkathon and you say to uh, to an organization, you have a you have a hundred team leaders here, each of whom has recruited x uh, x number of people. The organizations tend to look at the X number of people who have been recruited rather than look at the team leader who has recruited them as a, as a mid-level donor. I mean, some of these teams bring in $1,500, $2,000 a year, and they do it year after year. And organizations ought to be looking at those team leaders as though they're a, they're a special giver. Yeah. Uh, not as though they're uh, they're someone running a marathon along with the fifteen thousand other people. They're a yeah, minor gift a, officer, yeah, or in some cases, a major yeah. gift yeah. officer. Well, you right? Exactly. You change your your level of engagement based on theirs. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I I really do think, and and the the the, the folks that I talked to at the company this morning uh, about this uh, also feel pretty strongly that. Uh, that that the online stuff, uh, just by the way people read it, is is of its uh, partly of a necessity, but certainly by its nature is fairly thin, uh, fairly superficial, uh, and uh, some of the other channels, particularly mail, where you can load up uh, information more easily, uh, is is not. And so the the necessity for mixing these things, if you really want to build a relationship with someone. Is is critically important. It's not just something nice to do and be able to say you integrated. It really is uh, of of necessity if you're going to get a full relationship with someone that you find the different channels that can convey different levels and tone of information. Because if uh, if we think direct mail is just read in a cursory way, I can guarantee you, having uh, done plenty of studies on how people read uh, e appeals, that that's even more cursory. And I think part of it's just the nature of the the medium. You know, direct mail 
is tactical, right? And, mm-hmm. and that you can touch it and it's in the mail and there's it's four-color gloss and there's something more to it versus an email. The action isn't in the email. The, the action is your brain reading it and doing something with it to click or watch a video or do something that can be really, really powerful. But but it, it's got to be compelling enough to want for to get your attention to want to do something with it. That brings up a whole nother, <laughs> whose favorite expression is that one, um, level of, of the conversation that ties a few of these things together. But you talk about, uh, I don't know if we'll edit this, but uh, <laughs> direct mail isn't dying, but direct, but direct mail, mail donors, donors are. are. Yeah. And so maybe by its very nature, it, it won't appeal to this younger group. And maybe it's not um, leveraging the channels we have today that, you know, in, in new mixes that are going to bring younger donors into a more engaged state, but but respond well, better to what the younger donors need. And that has a little bit back to do with um, Hildy talking about the engagement and how you kind of help people brand themselves as your missionaries. Um, and, and the easiest way to do that today is online and, and enable yeah. them to not just tell your story for you, but tell something about themselves and what who they are based on who they are in relationship right. to you, the organization. Yeah, just retelling it's, your story isn't as powerful as them putting their own spin on it, personalizing it, and sharing it with people. Right, right. and the compelling part for them, the part that really makes them engaged, is that now it's it's describing who they are as a person. You know, they have that insatiable need to tell yeah. everything they do all day. I'm saying they because I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but everything they do all day, every picture, every mood, etc. And so the nonprofit has to become part of that, you know, central id or what is it that you go whichever one of those you know that that was that is that uh, melanie that's allison, allison still oh allison sorry allison you you raise a very uh a very important point here the the all the uh the donor trend studies we have done indicate that younger people and this this is down we don't survey them much under uh 25 but uh the people 25 to uh to 35 prefer to be solicited for money at about the same percentage as people 65 and that is by by direct mail unless the email uh, or the electronic message comes from a friend in which case uh, they prefer that to uh, to direct mail but the 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 important takeaway from your message that I have is that it is the way and the the tone and the content that is communicated, not whether it's in an envelope with paper or whether it's electronic, but the the way it's done is uh, is so much different for different age groups than it uh, than it used to be. It used to be pretty standard that the formulaic stuff of uh, direct mail would uh, would work pretty much across the age groups. That's not. Uh, so standard anymore. So I, I think it is uh, it is important to realize that younger people still trust uh, mail more than any other medium, unless it's electronic uh, email coming from a friend that they know. Uh, yet the message itself uh, has to be uh, has to be for that uh, that demographic group. Don't bother. I don't check my email more than two, three times a day, and I'm only checking my work email, not my friend email. But either Facebook me or DM me on Twitter or somehow get hold of me in another environment where I'm checking it on my iPhone all the time, where I'm checking it on my BlackBerry, and and they're engaging with each other there. I'm going to guess, and I've seen no studies about it, so I'm I'm obviously making it up just from my own experience of what I've seen. 
and and having a life where I'm blessed to be surrounded by 20 and and 30 year olds all the time, uh, that what happens with social media giving is that where are they hearing about it? They're mostly hearing about it from colleagues they trust, which is exactly getting to the point that you were talking about, Roger, is when they're giving uh, that is not from direct mail and and now looking at email from somebody they trust, if they're giving via social media and that's what led to the gift, that's coming from somebody that they trust. So that's that whole engagement piece all over again. Yeah, your, your social network is the filter for all the spam in the universe. <laughs> Good point. Mm-hmm. And, and physical mail gets around that because if somebody actually figured out my mailing address and managed to get it to me, well, then the postal service has already filtered it for me. But the only natural filter I have in the online world is my social network because that's how I don't get money from foreign countries asking me for bank account information. Right? <laughs> I have one of those for you if you want. Yeah. <laughs> $50 million. It needs a new home. <laughs> well, is there anything that we can uh, you know, offer up to nonprofits that might be listening that um, they can do tomorrow or in the next week that, to better support their online fundraising to sort of bring it into a multi-channel, you know, wider campaign? I would well, say have a strategy behind what you're doing and have that strategy go beyond just fundraising. Have the strategy start with what are we looking to accomplish for our community, our region, the, the, the geographic area that we serve, and what do, who do we need to engage and what do we need to do to accomplish that and how does fundraising fit into that. But if the strategy doesn't start with what do we want to accomplish and move backwards from that, then you're just going to keep picking at different tools and eventually be saying, well, that didn't work. <laughs> I think organizations should really look and find those other organizations that are doing it well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the complexity just increases so much in this multi-channel world. Uh, you know, at these meetings, people talk about, you know, what color should the submit button? You know, I mean, that's one <laughs> element, you know, just testing these, and, and there'll be a 15-minute PowerPoint presentation just on that. It's and green, by the way. It's green. There you go. And so that's what they that's what they should take away from this call. Um, so you know, just just that. And then when you and then we were talking about how you do an integrated communication plan. You know, just you know, there are people who figured out more of it. Maybe not as much as the tried and true rules of direct mail that sort of. You know, but but they figured out more of it. And so it's really finding those people and trying from them. Yeah, my my suggestion and. Uh it's it's partly uh, self uh, interested as all of ours are, but uh, it, it's sort of a, a three uh, three word uh, motto. First of all, listen. Um, I think uh, it's it's very important to uh, particularly where we're dealing with the social media and the internet to listen carefully to what's going on out there in the blogosphere and the social networks and on the mainstream uh, news uh, news organizations uh, sites to see what what issues what conversations are being uh, are being had and uh, we uh, we in a couple months are going to uh, reveal a thing listening device for that that sort of uh, sort of thing I think it's also important to to have uh, activists, uh, interested parties, and donors talk to you, and and there's there's very little use of online uh, surveying and feedback mechanisms that should should be a part and parcel of uh, of everyone's uh, 
fundraising work, whether it's online or offline. It's just that online makes it so less expensive to uh, to do this. And and finally, testing. I mean, there's lots of myths and conjecture and everything else. And the one thing that the 75 years of direct mail has done is it's it's uh, embodied an awful lot of testing and it's codified that testing into a set of uh, principles that by and large are, uh, are universal. And I do think that... Uh, that we we need uh, we need far more testing and sharing of testing results to begin getting this stuff uh, codified, uh, so that we raise up the next generation to to be operating by some principles of uh, of marketing and friend building and fundraising and that sort of thing. Mine is um, invest in some good copy, and it's not just you know finding a talented writer or taking the time to, to test and, and find a message that works for you, but it starts back with analyzing your constituencies, thinking about what drives the people that you're trying to reach and, and segmenting accordingly, and then, then having the messages hopefully reach more personally to those individuals. And I'm going to jump in here finally. <laughs> Hi, Melanie. Hi. Uh, I think one of the key things to follow up with that is the web is a very powerful medium for stewardship and by following up that message and really having a plan for how you're going to demonstrate the value of the donor is also very important and quite easy to do online. I'll just make the comment. I think what we found is uh, it starts with leadership from the top of the organization Mm -hmm. and individual programs or communications there's resistance to change. Everyone likes change. No one likes changing. What you need is leadership in the organization to it sometimes walk around with a sledgehammer and knock down walls and knock over silos to say, this is crazy that email doesn't talk to the direct mail people and nobody talks to major gifts and, and who knows what's going on with you know phonathon. Um, you've got to have leadership that can come in and say, this is the future and how do we get there? And, and to and to knock down those walls between parts of the organization. So what you're saying is a little plan gift officer internet marketer retreat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna hold hands and fall uh, in into each other's yeah. arms. We're gonna do trust falls. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> All right. Well, that was some really good stuff. I think uh, I think some organizations could definitely glean some uh, useful information out of there. And uh, since Melanie decided to speak up, I thought now might be a great time to see what's going on with uh, BlackBunk. Well, we're getting geared up for AFP in New Orleans. Anyone going next week? Anyone? Yeah, I think I'll be there, Roger. Roger. All we'll right. see you there. Um, yeah. We'll have the big booth right by the entrance. We're going to have a lot of mini sessions going on, so stop on by. All right. Um, and anyone who attends... A session, incidentally, we're entering them into a drawing for a donation to their organization. So we're going to be doing that all weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then we also have several Blackboard employees presenting at the AFP educational sessions. And you can find out our entire schedule at blackbaud.com slash AFP. And in other news this week, we launched the Blackboard Connect Partner Network uh, that news just came out today, and we're really excited about it. Um, we have a lot of new consulting application and solution partners, and one of our new partners is uh, Free Cause, which is kind of relevant to our discussion today. Um, what they do is they have a single interface where nonprofits can update all their social media, uh, social networks, excuse me, and uh, 
what we have brought with the partnership is integration to our CRM solutions so they can better leverage their interactions for relationship building and even fundraising. So, um, Steve, I know you were key in this partnership. What will this mean for BlackBot Internet Solutions customers? Well, I think it maybe is a bit germane to some of the discussion we've had now, which is uh, people go to places like MySpace and Facebook and all these places and they interact, but it's very high level and it's superficial. And what the the folks at Free Cause have found with working with organizations like you know Komen and Oxfam is the key thing is to drive someone to take action beyond just join my group. It's and taking action is can be as simple as sign up for a newsletter, a, take a poll, take a survey, participate in a photo contest. That next step in the relationship. And certainly the key thing that, that we've been working with them is, is the data capture around that, right? That if you have a Facebook group, and it's fantastic that you have 12,000 or 1,200 friends or 12 million friends, doesn't matter. It's how do you drive them to take action? And then who are these people? Yeah. So that you can go and look at those numbers and say, well, who are these people demographically, information-wise? How do we go back to them and follow up with email communication or other types of communication? And you can't do that unless... Um, the systems behind the scenes are talking to each other. So that's a big part of the work that we've been doing with Free Cause. i got to say, just having come back from uh, South by Southwest, there was a, a lot of nonprofit sessions and panels there, and they almost all touched on that subject, which was tying social engagement back to the constituent in a CRM system and actually figuring out what to do with that. Um, so like you said, that's a big piece of that data capture and, and getting that out of the sort of social sphere. And it's really booming with social networks now with Twestival and all these yeah. different, like, <laughs> huge large-scale fundraising initiatives that are engaging millions of very small, maybe first-time donors. What do you do with them? How do you engage them? Well, one of the things that has to do with Twestable and Charity Waters was that Charity Water was willing to let go of control and kind of put it into the sort of their their engaged supporters' hands, right, Uh, to run all that. And they were a little weary, I guess, at first, but I think that's one of the things that people... Um, point to as a success factor was that they were they had the willingness to let go following the skittles methodology oh maybe not that (laughs) (laughs) that was interesting (laughs) they got everybody to talk about it good idea for sure bad idea everybody talked about it yeah but nonprofits aren't candy and i heard a lot of people say they wanted skittles that week too really they're making (laughs) (laughs) well i have one last note for black news uh this Friday is our deadline for our call for speakers for our upcoming conferences. And Hildy and Roger, we'd love to have you join us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a Canadian conference coming up in May in Ontario. And our U.S. conference is in November in Charleston. So if you're interested in speaking at either of these events, you can learn more or fill out an application at blackbaud.com in the events section. Okay. Great. <laughs> we're, we're expecting the applications now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, thanks for that, Melanie. Um, I'd just like to go around the table now um, and kind of just see if anybody had anything they'd like to give a shout-out to. Um, I can start with you, Roger. You got anything you'd like to plug? No, well, we're working on uh, a uh, scoring system on uh, predictive uh, and scoring system on loyalty, and we're working on... Uh, a toolkit uh, for online uh, surveys and action involvement actions called Voice of the Donor, Voice of the Activist. And uh, as I said in the middle of this, uh, in a couple months we will be announcing a tool that tracks uh, 
activity on the internet and enables an organization to compare itself with others or look at other issues and uh, do a variety of things in that subterranean uh, world called the internet. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm looking forward to that benchmarking thing. Very cool. Um, all right, Hildy, what do you have for us? Oh, we have got exciting stuff. We actually last week launched a major effort with uh, both a book and a new set of classes at the Community Driven Institute. And just to give a, a quick summary of what the Community Driven Institute is about, uh, the focus of the Institute is looking at the power this sector has to create significantly more visionary change in our communities and the world and looks at what are the systems and structures that we would need to put in place, change, tweak, adjust within the sector that, if adjusted, could create massively more uh, visionary impact in our communities. The, the two things that we launched last week were, one, my book that talks about that, which is called The Pollyanna Principles. It is at pollyannaprinciples.org. The subtitle of the book is Reinventing quote unquote nonprofit organizations, which is a subject for an entirely another uh, <laughs> podcast on, on my problem with the word nonprofit, but reinventing <laughs> quote nonprofit organizations to create the future of our world. And Very the good. Book, the book came out um, officially last week, and it is, as I said, at pollyannaprinciples.org. The other thing that we launched last week was a um, the first curriculum that the Institute is really going at full bore is for consultants and looking at how consultants can change, just modify even the thinking behind the doing in their practice. Consultants get very used to doing. Um, how do we adjust the thinking in our consulting practice so that everything we're doing with clients is aiming them at creating more significant change in their communities? And we, what we find is that it is everything from planning and governance to actually the ways in which we do resource development, that if we change the way we think about those approaches and systems, that those systems themselves can create more significant change in communities. So it's just been very, very exciting and would love to have folks join us either at my blog or on Twitter. Um, I am HildeGottlieb.com or at HildeGottlieb on Twitter or um, at ThePollyannaPrinciples.org. We're having a blast. <laughs> awesome. Great. <laughs> I will definitely be there. <laughs> Good, good. All right, Rob, uh, do you have anything uh, you'd like to uh, let our listeners um, sh Sure. Um, of course, any of our listeners who um, who couldn't get enough of, of, of donor-centric internet uh, uh, benchmarking <laughs> and want to participate for themselves and see all the, the gory detail, uh, even more than in the report, behind, you know, behind the report, behind the numbers, um, feel free to uh, contact us if they want to participate. Um, areas we'll be turning our attention to next is um, – we're doing a lot more international-type benchmarking, BlackBots global offices in the U.K. and in Australia. So cool. hopefully we'll be publishing um, some, something on that um, at some point, but learning a lot from what people are doing. Good. Sounds good. When you say it. Allison, do you have anything you'd like to share with us? Yes. Uh, tagging on to what Rob was discussing, we have a um, donor-centrics webinar to dive further into this subject. Um, open to the public April 16th, and it's just going to review the findings of the report in a, a further than um, was done via the article. Um, we'll explore um, some of the more actionable things that were learned out of it and uh, give some additional insights. And you can register for that by visiting BlackBod website. And uh, would the press release be the best way, Melanie? It's uh, www.blackbod.com slash donorcentrics. Oh, thanks, Steve. Got to know those friendly URLs. 
<laughs> Should have been Steve's item. Uh, spoke too soon. Very cool. Steve? Uh, Book this week? Not traveling? What's <laughs> just a reminder that uh, the uh, N10 Nonprofit Technology Conference is still coming up here at the end of April. So April is not too long away. Uh, looks like we'll have over 1,200 people from across a variety of different nonprofits Woo-hoo. out in San Francisco. So wow. it's kind of the big internet online um, next gen technology, uh, next gen whole thing for uh, for the nonprofit sector. Really looking forward to it. Think it's going to be a great event, um, and that's at the um, end of April. As always, go to n10.org to learn more or become a member. Very cool. I will be speaking at that event about podcasting. So and I like will to... about oh yes, the ubiquitous value that we've all been trying to yes. wrap our arms around of <laughs> online. You'll have it done by then. Channels. Oh sure. Fortunately, <laughs> <laughs> it was advertised as. If you don't believe in these benchmarks, here's how you can figure them out for yourself. Oh, great. So definitely everybody needs to, you know, it doesn't do any good to accept somebody else's verbatim. Choose your own adventure. Aren't yeah. you an intense superstar or something? Is that a rumor? Yeah, I'm, a, yeah I'm apparently, uh, I need to film a video of myself donning these alien antenna that were sent to me for some sort of presentation at the beginning of the conference. Nice. Normal. Yeah, I mean, I, I normally have, I do have an antenna thing, but uh, no. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Is that some sort of superstar? Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that does it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank our awesome guests, Steve McLaughlin, Melanie Mathis, Rob Harris, Allison Van Deest, Roger Craver, and Hildy Gottlieb. Thank you so much for joining us. You really made for a great show. I think everybody's really going to enjoy it. Everybody, you can keep up with the podcast and other webby things by following me on Twitter at twitter.com slash chadnorman or by checking out my blog at blackbod.com slash webbythings. If you have any feedback for us, please, please, please send us an email at thebodcast at blackbod.com. And until next time, I'm Chad Norman, and thanks for listening to the podcast. Everybody's good. It sounds good today. It's pretty good. Rob, you might be a little hot Meant if you can uh, find hot the mic, volume. Hot mic. But, I mean, <laughs> sorry, your mic might be a little loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Throw out a technical thing. Amen, Steve. Land gift officer, internet marker retreat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to hold hands and... Uh, <laughs> Fall into each other's arms. We're gonna do trust falls. Oh, good lord.